Hello, everyone. Welcome to C-Suite Talks, a podcast that takes you inside some of the most interesting businesses and industries today. We explore career success and how we can make a difference. We invite you to join us on this journey and welcome to C-Suite Talks. I'm Beth Hilbing, co-CEO of C-Suite. And I'm Diane Gubin, co-CEO of Beth. And today, this week, we're talking to Patricia Heinerman. She's the Chief Information Officer for Interpublic Group, which we're going to call IPG. And Patricia, we're just so happy to have you here today. Thank you. So pleased to be here. So uh, tell us a little bit about IPG, what IPG is. I mean, Beth and I know, but maybe everybody doesn't. Um, IPG and the work that you're personally doing within the organization. Sure. So IPG is a holding company made up of more than 90 operating units in over 100 countries. Um, We have over 4,000 clients, 56,000 employees that earns over $9 billion in revenue. So all those stats give you a feel for the size and scope of IPG. But what do we do, right? What value do we create? We help companies market their brands with creative solutions, media buying and placement through digital and data solutions, advertising, public relations, event planning and management. We create ideas, messaging, storytelling that's data-driven to help companies sell, grow, and make their mark on the world. We're a values-based, data-fueled, creative-driven, and we put our people first, our talent, as well as our clients and our consumers as well, and our clients' consumers. Inclusion, diversity, sustainability define us. We aim to deliver meaningful impact for our brands, people, and community. So what I do at IPG um, as the chief information officer is to ensure each of our agencies has everything they need from an IT perspective, infrastructure, applications, collaboration platforms to deliver amazing things for our clients. I wake up each day grateful for the people I get to work with and the exciting goals we've set for ourselves. So a few things we're excited about right now um, include our investment in creating a great culture for our IT teams. So they love coming to work and hope that shines through in the services they provide to IPG employees, to our clients, um, and we ser- and the, the greater ecosystem that we work and live in, right? There's so many opportunities that IT is engaging in to build out collaboration tools. So especially as we deliver open architecture projects. You may ask, what's an open architecture project? Good question. (laughs) So at IPG, we call projects that span multiple agencies open architecture projects. It's where we have multiple agencies from various different global locations bring their competencies together to deliver great design, innovation, brilliant solutions across the portfolio of products and services that we offer We want IT to be an enabler of that, right, to the success of these project teams, make the business and client experiences streamlined, agile, and flexible. We're also excited in IT about our contribution to ESG goals as we, you know, look to understand IPG's carbon footprint, our supply chain emissions, and set goals and, you know, set up respective initiatives to improve over time. That gives you a little bit of background of what I do and and IPG. That's fabulous. Yeah, no, that was really good. Wow. 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 That that's a that's a huge job. So hang on a second, Patricia, about how many people report up to you? So it's actually changing at the moment because we're doing some really interesting things, but in five five hundred to six hundred. 
right now. Yep, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, that that's a lot. And they all report to you directly, of course. Well, no, yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I have an amazing, amazing team um, that really makes everything, you know, run like a clock. So I'm super grateful to them. So Patricia, let's take a little step back uh, before we get into more of the questions. But tell us kind of your career transition and because I know you've had other roles and other companies, but just kind of walk the listeners through a little bit about Patricia. Okay. So, you know, I have a, I don't have a straight line story. I have a curvy road story. Um, I actually started out, uh, my degree uh, in undergrad was uh, neuroscience. And I started out in, in research, in, in uh, cancer research at Sloan Kettering, um, and really ended up in IT space because I wanted to, you know, do statistical models and I wanted to, you know, grab all of the data and make sense of it. So all of a sudden, just to solve my own research problems, I started playing in IT. I then, right, and then I was um, positioned at a time in the world where, you know, we were looking at um, Y2K and what those impacts would be. And I I transitioned into the IT world during that time period um, to try and run and make sure that that we were safe and protected from any changes that we had with with that that turnover. With that, I started playing with data and metrics and um, in the IT space and grew my career up through IT. Um, you know, either in governance, um, in uh, application development and management, and then through. Um, greater roles and greater responsibility um, with added, you know, on infrastructure, added on um, IT security. My last role was um, IPG's chief information security officer. Um, and now I've got the span of all of that, you know, as as I work with this great team. Congratulations to you. Thank you. And Diana, I've known you for over four plus years and uh, we're so proud of you. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we've watched your career grow and just blossom. And wow. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so you know what? Even with the step back that we're taking before we talk about some of the business issues, you know, women in technology, you know, you went in in a very different way than, you know, the STEM programs that are out there today. You know, just, just in your experience, um, are you seeing that more women are going into technology careers? And what are some of the challenges around that? And what, what do you hope was going to happen? Yeah. So, you know, there's been a lot of attention on why there's too few girls interested in math and science, why there's too few female students that choose an educational path that would lead them to careers in technology, and too few women in IT management leadership. Over the past few years, people have explored what could be holding girls back from getting excited about math and science and have created spaces and opportunities to elevate and normalize STEM in the places where girls are learning and growing. And they now show interest and now have to find ways to encourage them to stick with it, right? By identifying ways to continue to encourage them, build their confidence, give them opportunities to explore their passions. And, you know, as we consider as young women enter the, the career, their careers, they're in IT, um, we have to think about, you know, how we not force them to make either or choices between work and caregiving or other important life priorities, whether it be children or, you know, other, other priorities they may have in their life. And committing to development, mentoring and advancement of women's careers. So once they make their, you know, once they enter the IT community, 
really making sure they have a chance to grow into management roles and leadership roles. So in my personal experience, I've seen examples of growing excitement and changing attitudes where girls think it's cool to have programming created for them. You know, once they get past trying it for the first time, they're having fun, they're expressing curiosity. In some of the program I participated in, uh, STEM for Girls, um, I've seen quiet listening change to high fives after they co the code they wrote moves a bot or the circuit they assembled lights up a light. And during Q&A, hands are raised high to ask questions. Oh, that's great. So I see it, right? I see the shift. I'm hopeful, um, you know, that as we, that we're seeing, because we're seeing more interns, female interns join our IT team, right? And as women find each other in networking groups. Right, exactly. Right. To share their experiences, their lessons learned, tips and tricks. Um, that, that gives me a lot of hope and inspiration, to be honest. I see tides changing. I feel incredibly fortunate to be alive and contributing at this time in history and to help form what could come next. I think women are here in IT. They're making incredible contributions and it feels great. So, so let's let's uh, transition over to what what do you think the uh, current events are that are impacting companies today? You know, we, you know, we're coming out of COVID here. We're going back to the office. A lot of people are working remotely. You know, are most of your team remote, or is everybody back in the office? And what do you see as coming down the pike? You know, especially as you have a very long commute, do you ex think people are going to keep doing that? Yeah, you know. Um we are doing a little bit of both. I think people are still trying to navigate it, right? I think we are definitely getting people into the office um, in, you know, for collaboration and, and actually, to be honest, to see each other again and get all the good feels you get by seeing each other in person. So um, a lot of that is happening. Um, whether, you know, it, is it five days a week? Um, no, not yet, right? And maybe not ever. I don't know. We're navigating that. So there's very strong feelings you know, as we navigate back to office versus a full remote work. Um, I think it is important to build trust that we have time together in person. Again, does it have to be five days a week? Maybe not. But I think we'd be missing something really important if everyone stays 100% fully remote. There's debates, right, regarding masks, vaccines, testing, commutes, childcare. Um, before March 2020, this was much easier to navigate. Our boundaries were clearer, but now we live in a time with a lack of certainty. It can be really unnerving for some people. And we're dealing with a ton of mixed feelings, IBG, and I'm sure everywhere, right? Right, right. Which brings us to like human capital management just as a theme. I mean, <laughs> well, and you have you have all this unclarity. I know, you know, at Boeing, um, you know, you have the local government, you have the state government, you have the federal government, all the different rules and regulations and what's current, not current. And then then you have all the other impacting. It's a lot to keep track of. Right. And I think people have really been incredibly resilient over the past two years. And as we try and navigate it, I know some people get frustrated, but the resilience has been amazing. And I think that, you know, IT we feel like we helped keep everyone online. We introduced new tools to keep things running at home. Um, so we know that we can do it. And I think everyone has proven that they can be trusted with the responsibility of working remotely, right? But human connection is so critical to how successful we can be. We can't expect to achieve as much as individuals alone than we can as a group, right? Making shared decisions, which go much faster, are much more effective if we have a culture of trust. 
we can't legislate trust, right? We need to create space where it can be fostered. And we're not just going for like this neutral lack of mistrust when we say trust. We're really looking for further along the spectrum where we have teams that can share vulnerabilities and work them out together, right? That's the trust we're going for. And that's really hard to do remotely. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's easier to do in person, right? Yeah, especially in a larger team, right? I like to go into the office. I like a structure. I don't need to be in there every day, but at least a half day or a couple days. I go to my office every day. I'm here right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually a pretty easy commute today. Yeah. Yeah. And you have furry friends. I have a lot of furry friends with me. (laughs) So Patricia, can you expand on the potential for technology growth and kind of where you're looking at and seeing technology for the workplace? Yeah. So this is, this lights me up, right? This is, this is, I get super excited about this. So if you think about the introduction of the internet, right? It started with academic pursuits and then business use cases were added. So think about Amazon selling books online. That turned us into what we have today, which is Web 2, right? That experience we have today. Right. And fewer bookstores. (laughs) So, you know, where companies and anyone can create a web presence to share information, sell things, etc. We are now seeing the first prototypes in Web 3 um, and the metaverse where you can have a 3D experience with virtual reality or augmented reality. So when when I say virtual reality, think of of a case where someone doesn't just sit in front of a computer screen, but where they don a headset, right, over their eyes with audio, where they can turn their head or move their hands to interact with a website or a game, right? Augmented reality is where you might go out, walk around the city, receive cues or directions on where you're going, restaurants nearby if you're hungry, or for a, 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 an IT example, imagine you could look in a server room at all the wires and that they're now digitally labeled as you look Yay. at them. So this is, right? Yeah, I've imagine, labeled wires before in my past. <laughs> imagine that the yeah. whole thing is digitally labeled. And as you do your patching, right. it dynamically changes and it tells you where the the, you know, the, which port it's in and it tells you where it's going. So really, there's so many use cases that, you know, augmented reality could really, um, you know, be exciting. So, you know, what I find most exciting about this space um, is not so much the visual 3D experience, which I expect is going to thrill some people and leaves others thinking like, I, I don't get it. Not sure if I would use it. I, you know, I've, I've heard people say, I don't I'm good, you know, too much. Headset, like yeah. what, what, yeah. yeah. However, you know, I think the thing I'm really excited about is the overlaying and connecting of data and systems that are not yet connected, right? So think of an architecture drawing of a house where you can see room layouts and then you overlay the electrical layout and then you overlay the plumbing, then you overlay the furniture layout, right? I only care about the furniture level. (laughs) I know, (laughs) I know, right? But imagine what this could do where you have connections to other non-connected things for urban planners, policymakers, advertisers, right? Um, To create interactions that are deeply connected and allows you to explore down to the lowest level of detail as well as up to the highest level of information. So think Google Maps, like, where you can go from earth all the way down to your street and house, but for everything, 
and move your little person around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. exactly. Wow. Right. But right. So, so there's, you know, a few use cases you might see emerge sooner rather than later. Think about engaging with work. Rather than getting on a call, you might be invited to an office location in the metaverse where you get to create an avatar of yourself, navigate to a front desk, back to a conference room, like a video game. This would feel really playful, right? And make a plain old meeting a bit more fun, interactive, and engaging, right? Or what if you see someone with a really cool pair of sneakers or tennis shoes based on where you are in the country <laughs> and you snap a picture of their, right? Right, exactly snap a picture of their feet while they're waiting in line for coffee. And what if you upload that picture and try to find them for, your, for yourself, right? And then they're presented, you're presented with a variety of footwear that looks very similar that you can then purchase, even customize, right? Or what if you wanted a try before you buy experience where you could explore a product and all of its features in a 3D experience, maybe even with a simulation of the product, doing what it does and you interacting with it, right? Each industry is going to be exploring this space and see how they can channel this technology to create customization, personalization experiences, greater connectivity and depth than we've ever seen before. So with this great expanse, wow. we in public companies, private companies, governments need to explore and ensure responsibility for identity, privacy, and security, because you can think how cool this is, but we also have to do it carefully. It needs to be managed with great care, but it also needs to be managed with fierce imagination to really turn it into, you know, all the capabilities of what it could be. Yeah. And it gets daunting too, because you just think of, you have all these things coming at you that you need to be ready for and agile for, and the infrastructure is not necessarily there. It's aged. And then you have your financial components and all that. And how do you balance all that, right? To stay current and meet the demands. Right. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. 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 Right. And I think a lot of startups have tried many of the elements that you discussed, but they don't have necessarily the resources to really do the larger metaverse that some of the yeah, to scale it. bigger companies yeah. right. exactly. can put it together. Right. So how is IPG and, and you personally, how, how are you driving this within the organization? Because it seems like it's ripe for the, um, for the uh, portfolio of companies that you have. Yeah. So, so, you know, right on the outset, whenever you have anything new like this, um, you definitely have to figure out a governance structure, right? Because everybody would like to try it and prototype. So it's really creating enough space for flexibility to try it and make sure that we come up with cool use cases and engage our clients and our clients say, oh, how do we enter the, the metaverse? So being able to articulate to our clients different options, you know, different ways we can, can use it, but also making sure that as a company, we have a way to govern it, like across all of these different spaces, so that we are thinking about the legal implications, the treasury implications, um, because we now have to deal in cryptocurrency versus, you know, fiat currency, right? It's a whole different ballgame, um, how it's going to be taxed and how, you know, it's going to be secured and all those kinds of things. So I think we and everyone else like us is is working through um, guidance and guardrails and all kinds of good stuff, but also leaving space for creativity and flexibility so that we really can start taking and, you know, bringing our imagination to the table. That's so exciting. I mean, that's just amazing. You're such a thought leader in this space. I love it. I love it. So what are your, what is your board and your leadership team at IPG focusing on right now? 
Yeah. So, you know, while executives and board members will always have their main fiduciary and financial duties, um, there's added challenges at this time in history that are demanding more time and attention, right? So while the board oversees strategy and management designs and executes that strategy, there's a greater pressure to articulate that strategy that will deliver long-term value. So shareholders expect growth and a good return on their investment, but there's much more interest from additional stakeholders, more so now from the past, right? From institutional investors, from employees, from clients, from vendors, from governments, regulators, consumers, even society at large, right? Right, right, right. The, the risk landscape has also evolved. So with the pace of digital transformation increasing, the attention needed to protect from cyber risk has also increased, right? New government policies and regulations, like the need to ensure data, digital privacy, also increased responsibility you know, for oversight of risk. So expectations have also increased around crisis management, right? So if something goes wrong, companies are expected to act quickly, respond thoroughly with good intent and good impact. Right, good social conscious. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Right. And then you've got to have everybody trained to handle this new environment that you're that you're describing. It is. And 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 then there's the whole human factor, right? Which is oversight for talent and development, considering what we've done in the past, what we've got in the present, and really making sure that everyone's ready for the future, right? We're skilled up and we've got the right skill set for that future facing set of objectives, right? All that has to be linked to our strategy and risk. We are, you know, articulating our company values, continuously investing in culture, understanding social impacts inside the company and outside the company. All of these things have been elevated and are critical uh, agenda items. Executives and board members have their plates full. I could not think of a more exciting time, though, to be a part of something greater than myself, where we can kind of shape the future. It's really exciting. Yeah, no, it's really good. So if you had a piece of advice as young women are merging and, and going through their career, what if you look back at your career, what would be a piece of advice you'd want to give them? Oh, I love that. So, yeah, I mean, I think my advice would be to um, find, you know, Let's see. I think I always approached my career to, I, I was never afraid to do the thing that nobody else wanted to do. Okay. <laughs> because if, right? And so yeah. I always kind of picked up all the things that were hard, that weren't figured out yet, that um, really could add impact and value. And it has served me incredibly well, right? I never felt like I had to be on a very specific path or that I had to define exactly what I was doing next. I kind of went with the flow and I, I really, um, you know, had a passion about adding value, about solving problems. And it, it has served very well um, to have that sort of attitude, right? To come with, well, what's wrong? I'm here. I'm here to serve. I'm here to help. I'm here to fix. I'm here to be a part of the solution. That's great. And you're so entrepreneurial within this space that truly, you know, coming up through, through your career, you didn't even go in this direction. And now you're one of the absolute thought leaders in this space. So Patricia Heinerman, who is the CIO for Interpublic Group, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for being here. 
thank you to our listeners. We really appreciate you. Beth, take us away. Yeah. And Patricia, we love having you as part of C-Suite. Patricia sits on our committee for New York. Yes. And so we're very blessed. And as a sponsor of C-Suite, IPG is. So thank you for that in our public group, a trademark, traded marketing and advertising company, Google, accounting firm RSM, law firm Manette, employee benefits firm Woodrow Sawyers, and executive search and IT consulting Amplified Professional Services. So thank you for listening with us today. Hit your subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you find podcasts, YouTube, etc. Leave us a review, five stars, of course, and uh, <laughs> follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And send us emails at media at c-suite.org. And check out our website. Uh, Patricia speaks on many of our panels and has been a keynote speaker for us as well. So we feel truly blessed, Patricia. Thank you for having us today. Yeah, so fun to be a part of this conversation. Yeah, and our website is www.csweet.org. And yes, Patricia, we love having you. Thank you. Thank you.